how to understand Paul's artistry of language. In Romans 9, verses 20 to 33, we find one allusion and four quotations from the Hebrew Scriptures. Paul was addressing Jewish believers in Christ who were teaching their Gentile brethren that circumcision and knowledge of the law were requirements for participation in the community of God. Paul had warned them that they were at risk of losing their special inheritance of the birthright as God's firstborn son, which had given them a position of leadership among God's people. Now Paul wants to make these Jewish believers jealous of God's selection of unholy and pagan Gentiles who have been added to God's covenant community. Perhaps this startling disclosure will encourage them to begin walking worthy of God and enable them to regain their leadership role. The tragedy of a traditional Christian perspective has been exalting Christians over the Jews. This is due in part by thinking that the Jews in Rome were not confirmed believers in Christ, which is an incorrect interpretation. However, the more prevalent problem is to focus on God's benefits to Gentile believers in Christ while condemning the Jews for their unbelief. Knowing how to understand Paul's Hebraic presentation is essential for correcting these unfortunate beliefs. Before we continue, I must encourage you to think like the Jews of the first century who were the first Christian believers. They did not have books like we do, so they learned the holy writings by memorization from listening. In the tradition of oral societies, they did not memorize single verses, but whole passages that I call blocks, which contain a single thought or theme. We have no way of identifying these blocks today, but we can read a verse in its context, which will give us the likely memorized block. This is going to be an essential skill as we continue to understand Paul's artistic use of the language. Paul begins his discourse with a Hebraic linguistic device called a chain of pearls, which creates a list of verses that are linked together by the same words. The quotation appears in Romans. Then we see the link words that link one verse to another. But I especially draw your attention to the context because that's the block that was memorized and the block would have flashed in the minds of the ancient people of Israel. So we have Paul citing Hosea 2.23 in Romans 9.25 and it's compassion for the purpose of selection and the key phrase is not my people. The context is Hosea 2.14-23. Now we go to the next verse, which Paul cites Hosea 1.10, and it has not my people. See, that's, that's the link, not my people, linking one verse with another. We have a context, Hosea 1, verse 2-11, to 11, and then we have in this same verse, sands of the sea, because in the next verse, the link is sands of the sea. And that's in Isaiah 10.22, which has the word remnant, and that links with the last verse, which is Isaiah 1.9, which also speaks of the remnant. So that's how a, ch a chain of pearls works. It links one verse to another with, with the same word or term. Now, another necessary skill, if you are thinking with a first century mind, is to listen for anything unusual in Paul's quotation. Has something been added, deleted, or changed? If so... It is likely intentional for the purpose of presenting some interpretive thought. 
So we will start with Paul's quotation of Hosea 1 verse 10 in Romans 9:26. First I'm going to read Paul and then I will read what he has quoted in its context. All right, here's Paul. I will call those who were not my people my people and her who was not beloved beloved. All right, now that's citing Hosea. He, he it's Paul in Romans but he's quoting Hosea 2.23. Now we go over to Hosea 2.23, but we have to get it in its context. The context is verses 14 to 23. So the last verse in the context is be what, what Paul quoted, but I, I think it's important to, to get the context. Oh, here's, so here's the context in Hosea. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Ahor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. It will, now, this is all talking about prophetic future, right? So let, let me continue here. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, and this is Hosea, that you will call me Ishi which means my, my, my man, my Lord, and will no longer call me Baali. Baal was the Canaanite god, so won't call me my Baali. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, so they will be mentioned by their names no more. In that day, uh, I will also make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land and will make them lie down and say, this is a time of peace and this is prophetic future. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness, in compassion. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. It will come about in that day that I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the heavens and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, to the new wine and to the oil and and, and they will respond to to Jezreel as Israel. I will sow her for myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And then we get what Paul quoted. I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Now, Hosea is clearly talking about a time that is future. It's prophetic of what we have come to call the millennial kingdom that will follow the great tribulation. It will be a time of peace, ruled by the Messiah, when a remnant of God's people will be righteous and able to approach God in the third temple where God's presence will again reside. At the time Hosea declared these words of prophecy, everything in the passage spoke of future events. However, Paul is telling us that some of the things in this prophecy, certainly not all of them, but some of them have come to pass when God sent his Messiah to believers in Christ. So, uh, do you see how Paul changed the quotation in Hosea 2.23 to convey this dramatic thought? Let, let me share with you what I have seen. Hosea is speaking for God. Hosea says, I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Now, here, Paul changes the people saying, you are my God, and he changes that to her who was not beloved is now beloved. So that's something that Paul changed and added. Why did he do this? God has accepted Gentile believers in his son and called them his beloved. 
but they have not yet matured in righteousness yet to say, you are my God. So that's that's how how you work this artistry of language. You you have to compare what Paul quotes with what he has quoted in its context, and then you look for any change, any anything that's been deleted, anything that's been added, anything that's been changed. So um, I was going to do one more with you, but I don't think I will. The what I've written, which will include the work for another um, piece of the Chain of Pearls, is in a Word document that you'll find on the, the, um, on the Bible Interact website. So, um, and you may wish to use your new ability to work on penetrating Paul's Hebraic artistry of language by, by working through this chain of, of pearls. But before we leave, I, was, I, I came to a conclusion of <laughs> the main point that Paul has conveyed through his chain of pearl quotations. Prophecy in the Hebrew scripture has been partially fulfilled by God's adding Gentile believers in Christ to his covenant family. Paul knows that the Jewish believers in Rome will be startled and probably distressed that the significant enlargement of God's family will minimize, if not destroy, their leadership. Not not belonging to God's family, they still belong to God's family, but they're losing their leadership role as experts in the law unless they believe in Yeshua the Messiah and then they get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yet Paul encourages them is to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit by their faith in Christ that will enable them to walk in the ways of the law in a manner that was not previously possible. What is the message for us today? Well, how well have you appropriated the gift of the Holy Spirit? To what extent are you walking in the power that God has made available to you through your faith in Christ? We must also ask, do you perceive yourself having an elevated status over those who are not believers in Christ? Or do you bestow compassion on all people, even on those whom society scorns? <laughs>